0: Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day, with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: I'm sorry. I have to issue an apology today. It was bound to happen sooner or later on a show where I, you know, I throw my share of stones. If you're going to make it your business to criticize other people's work, you got to look at yourself uh, as objectively as you can. And, and, uh, you know, I I made a misstep and I, I want to be accountable for it on last week's show. I thought I was doing something different. I thought I was, you know, uh, keeping it real or, or, or challenging a convention. I shouldn't have eaten pizza while uh, while interviewing. I don't think I took into consideration. Well, a couple things. I didn't take into consideration how many of you listen to this show not through speakers but through headphones or, or even earbuds. I quickly found out from uh, many. Many of you, that you don't need that. You don't want me chewing pizza in your ear. And uh, I I also didn't take into account how loudly I chew. So I'm sorry. Um, It won't happen again. On the bright side, I also eat very quickly. So by the time I got to uh, Graham Wagner, Catherine's boyfriend, Graham, I had already eaten uh, all of the pizza. There might be a crust that you'll hear me chewing on uh, at some point, but but there's really very little eating on today's episode. Graham Wagner is a talented comedian, comedy writer, improv comedian. He wrote for The Office post Corel, but still. Graham also wrote for Portlandia. Uh, but before all that, before Hollywood, he was a working comedian and comedy writer here. You may have seen him if you ever caught any of the laugh Sabbath shows or the comedy bar or elsewhere. Guys like Nathan Fielder, who went on to do Nathan for You, he was there. A lot of funny people there. I really enjoy my talk with Graham about that and about what he's doing now. And uh, I think you'll dig it too. Wait for it. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world. And BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself... and because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com. along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Canada Land. That is drinkag1.com slash Canada Land. Check it out. The exclusive sponsor for this show is FreshBooks. Painless billing, cloud accounting at freshbooks.com. I urge you to check it out. Well, you're an interesting contrast. It's so interesting that you ended up together because you're like way more successful than she is. But like, with <laughs> none of the, I don't know you nearly as well. If there's the same burning thing, you hide it very well.
2: Well, thank you. I mean, you know, the 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 goal is like when you when you said, uh, "Oh, you're very uncomplicated by comparison," it's like, "Oh, that's nice," and that's definitely an objective of mine. But like, you know, everyone's complicated if you dig deep enough. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in northern Alberta, a town called Fort McMurray, which is the place where the Keystone Pipeline is yeah. happening. So
1: you you grew up in Fort McMurray? Yeah, yeah. Before it was like Fort McMurray?
2: No, I mean, it's always been Fort McMurray. It's just been in the news more. It's It's been a boom town since the early 70s, like a... Uh, there's been oil there all along and it's just been like more and more as the internet came out people knew how to talk about it better and sending inflammatory links about what an awful place it is but it was even more awful 20 years ago because they didn't have any environmental filters whatsoever yeah. on what's going on so yeah it's it's always been the same town it is presently
1: growing up like was your family into comedy like what how did that even happen
2: your yeah, funny. yeah. funny. I got I got a family of people who are jokers and, you know, you kind of try to, you kind of sit quietly at the side while your uncle's an answer and grandma making funny jokes and you're like, I'm going to destroy you all one day.
1: <laughs> and, uh, Different than the like precocious kid who's like, me, me, me now. Like you were, yeah, no, you were no, biding no. your time.
2: Yeah, I was biding my time. Yeah. And just <laughs> quietly like, I'm uh, writing a little script and, and you'll see. And yeah, so I don't think I was, I ever had it in me to be like an actual Actual star But I think. you were
3: performing As of the like You were doing sure, Corporate was, improv uh, shows As of 13 onwards Yeah yeah What's the improv scene At Fort McMurray
2: Well we had a monopoly on it So <laughs> it was pretty easy <laughs> You know like And there's like These large oil companies there That were paying You know I was like crushing the kids who had a paper route because I was doing improv and they'd pay us like, you know, $300 an hour to do improv shows.
1: For like corporate events? Yeah,
2: yeah. For like lobster, bo- you know, so we'd do like two or three wow. gigs a week and we'd, I was like uh, earning an okay m- bit of money as a kid.
1: Now, my impression having been there for like 48 hours is that it's the That's most... That's amazing
2: that you've been there at all. I
1: yeah. have been there and it struck me as the most it felt, and this isn't like any kind of like like no, up, no. Yeah. high horse I'm on about it, or like yeah, yeah. Like I don't know enough about it to have like a very formed political opinion of it. It's just an emotional reaction I had where I felt this is the most evil place I've ever been.
2: Well, it's a dark place. Like, I mean, I if, like there's if no time reason for editing, anyone
1: to be here but money.
2: You know, it's, it's fine for kids. Like, uh, you know, you raise a kid in the suburbs here, you raise a kid in like uh, Calabasas or Thousand Oaks. Like, those are also like... Yeah, have a subtle kind of evilness about them in terms of how sterile they are, you know? Does a
1: kid, like, do you have, like, nostalgia for Fort McMurray? Do you have, like, a warm place in your heart?
2: I I have, like, a kind of, like, um, Mm. mm, you know, how maybe people have a nostalgia for times of war, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like or, uh, you know, like it was simpler and uh, cleaner in terms of like, there's just nothing and there's a yeah. austerity to it all. Yeah. And that, the uh, big sky and yeah. Yeah. And the Northern lights is like, yeah. Hard to ignore, you know, like, was there some point of connection
1: where like being funny with your family led to being a comedy geek? Like where are the cultural inputs
3: there?
2: For me at the time it was about being small and being like uh,
3: like physically small physically
2: small and you know relatively egoless compared to a very macho town so i was just like oh i'm going pretend to be a woman i don't give a shit and everyone's like holy can you imagine you know t- taking your ego aside and yeah. humiliating yourself in this way is like yeah fucker like, you want me to wiggle around this is like right around where like jim carrey was happening so and again i'm like whatever 14 or so. And you just make funny faces and people freak out cause they can't imagine, you know, so that's
1: like power though.
2: Like that's uh a- yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a roundabout way to get power for yeah. sure. Uh, and in the only power I could get cause is like, I, I still go back to Alberta to this day and I'm like, shit, everyone's huge here. You know, like I, I could, I would never have survived. Like, you know, the
1: plane from Edmonton to Fort McMurray was, it was like, I was on an airplane with like, and you're a big Deadwick. guy,
2: but you're like, you like, are small compared to these people I, you know,
1: like. I i was there was a lot of man
2: that's a burly kind of place <laughs> yeah so yeah i didn't feel like i had a like i felt like that was the only avenue to power perhaps you know yeah i want to psychoanalyze it which i guess is what we're doing
1: did uh, it connect with the, the world of comedy though was my question like, like was there a point where you started to like be like a student of it all
2: yeah no i mean it, like i had obviously like most kids growing up in uh house that is frozen eight months of the year I watched a lot of television you know yeah. I watched my parents watch television and I was like wow they're sure paying attention to the television uh you know that obviously has a that's an impact on everybody I'm sure but yeah you you know you stay up late and get to watch saturn live and you feel lucky or whatever so that's obviously something you aspire to and you see you know I, I don't think I ever aspired to radio I don't think I, I I like I read a lot of books as a kid but I was still like I didn't see, I didn't get to watch people appreciate books. I got to watch people appreciate television because between Saturday night Live and watching the live studio audience or live studio yeah. audiences of Cheers or whatever, or watching my parents like veg out in front of the TV every other night, uh, I was like, oh, this seems like a good way to connect to people, you know. So by the time I went to University of Alberta, I studied political philosophy for a bit and I was like, oh, this seems like... Only students are reading this stuff, and this is like very insular. So I went over to the television program at Ryerson, which is, yeah, you know, a very vain kid kind of thing at the time. We're just like, I'll bring philosophy to the masses, which is like absolutely absurd. <laughs> Wait, you were like the
1: philosophy comic? You were-
2: uh, well, you know, like there's a big thing with like, um. Think, uh, I think mean, all of the, the Monty Python guys had philosophy degrees, so that was, I think, part of why I was like, well, there's no playwriting course at U of A presently. There's, like, theater analysis or whatever. So, but I knew that the I was 17 when I went to university, and at that point, well, you know, me and all my friends knew that the Monty Python guys all had philosophy degrees, so it seemed like the only degree in the book I looked through that <laughs> I could see is like, oh, this is connects to what I want to do.
1: I'm a, I'm a Monty Python fan. I'm going to study philosophy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, generally. I think there's a lot of, I encountered tons of comedy kids to this day who I still know doing comedy in the philosophy program at U of A. Wow. Yeah. You know, you don't have the Humber School of Comedy at that right. point. You don't have, if you're in Alberta, you don't have the Ryerson's television program. And even then, you're like, I'm not sure that's for you because there's a lot of sportscasters coming out of that school at that right, time. Right, right, so, uh, but yeah. But then you
3: dropped out. You didn't finish.
2: Of U of A.
3: No, and then also both. Of, yeah, both. both. You, yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't have a college degree.
2: No, yeah, I, I, but I, you know, I've got six years of hanging around at colleges. I
3: know.
2: Or because you started to work because you got a development deals. Yeah, so yeah. I got, I got like the uh, taste of it. This is like a
1: ten-year period where you were kind of like and on I, the and come pick up. up and, like, uh, yeah,
2: you know, uh, there were so few shows going around in Canada that I, I was, I, I was pitching shows. I think I had like I, I was in at ryerson and i had like four development deals and i thought this was it to every little like notion i had was like being optioned for like eight hundred dollars or whatever it was how did that happen how did you get access to oh, i went to banff and uh the banff guy, F-
3: film and television banff festival
2: film and television festival and uh i did uh the new players pitch and i, I won that in the audience thing with the uh What's the-, the new players pitch it's called the New Player's Pitch. It's I, just like
1: fresh faces.
2: I, yeah, like people who have really no experience being invited to a pitch in front of like an Olympic clock. Yeah. Like two and a half minutes to like do your spiel. And at that point, you had done a lot of time on stage and were confident. Yeah, I mean, I've been performing since I was like 13. So it was like me and this other improv guy, Josh Dean, who's moved down here around when I moved to Toronto. Uh, we just got together and wrote the pitch on the drive down. And the thing was, there's was a bunch of people who, you know, it was easy pickings. Like, we had done a lot of live comedy before. So we just went up, we just, two kids in suits got up and tried to play grown up. And everyone was like, isn't this charming? We'll give them the little awards. Yeah. Little did they know that that would confuse us to the point where we're like, this is our career now. <laughs> and, right, right, right. Yeah, you know, like, I really thought I was going to, you know. Gonna...
1: You're, well, you're, you're like standing before people with jobs and, and, and nice clothes. Yep. And the, and the construct is that they're choosing who's talented, like the talent police are here looking for yeah, talent, yeah. and they've chosen you. Things so My uh,
2: first exposure to the industry generally was right. to speak to all of them at once. You don't know that this is like what kind of executive they are or what they have to offer. There's no like, I couldn't search up what had happened to the last year winner and how he'd been he right. presently <laughs> eating dog food or whatever.
3: <laughs> Not addicted uh, to heroin. Yeah.
2: So I was just like, this is it. I, I've won some kind of award that I heard about... Yeah. Six weeks ago, and I, now I won it. I think I'm the best. But, yeah, and after that, 10 years went by. <laughs> you know, right. I was, like, picking up work now and again, uh, writing for television, and uh, on shows that would just get canceled right away because it's typically the, the you know, um, the pattern, people give it a shot. And, um, but, yeah, uh, I forget what the question is because I've had three glasses of wine, but... Uh,
1: I need a glass of wine. Um... um Tell me about like coming here and, and getting something happening.
2: I've been making trips down here uh, over the years. I'd, I'd take little L.A. exploratory mission trips. So by the time I we decided to move to L.A., you and I um, basically I had a Job. You had a goal,
3: you had a 100 days left of Toronto Yeah, yeah,
2: so I, like, I had written a thing Like 100 days of Toronto and I'm done What does that mean? I contracted the swine flu and was hospitalized Shortly after I ended a, like a six year relationship And I was like, Toronto sucks right now for me So I've got 100 days of Toronto and I'm out I've just got to raise $15,000 and I'll, I'll leave I'll go to L.A. Uh-huh. And in that time, I, I landed a job on a CBC sitcom. So that technically took me out of Toronto. and I. What show was that? Uh, it was called Men with Brooms. It was like a short-lived. I've uh, heard of it. Yeah. You, can, you know, CBC sitcom. Um, so I basically was down to one day left in Toronto before my 100 days of Toronto were done, and I went off to Winnipeg. So in that time, I'd met Catherine, and uh, we had sort of developed this plan of moving to LA. So I had one day left, so I came back to Toronto after Winnipeg writing on Mammoth Brooms and packed up we packed up all of our things and we left. So we made it by the skin of our teeth, uh based on this, you know, kind of abstract round
3: but arbitrary number, number of hundred yeah, days uh, yeah. in so, Toronto.
2: So we went we moved to LA and um a friend in LA knew that I was uh moving and he just arranged for me to have a job uh by the time I arrived. So I basically we drove from Toronto to L.A. Uh, we're going to drive direct, but then we rerouted the
3: trip. To- got you, you, your friend called you when we were in Newton, Iowa. Sure, And yeah. he was like, I've left my job at the Life and Times of Tim, which was one of the two HBO animated shows they were doing, mm-hmm. and Graham knows how to animate, and he's a good comedy writer, and his friend was like, you are the only person who I know who can animate and edit, write. Edit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, edit animation and write. And so we did a... We didn't go directly to L.A. We stopped off in San Francisco, which was a detour, so that he could meet the person who had created the show. Yeah. And I went and got my haircut, and you went and met with Steve, who is the creator of The Life and Times of Tim.
2: Yeah. And Great. you
3: had a job by the time we got to L.A.
2: Yeah. So it's not customary, but it's also not customary for people to, like, dabble in L.A. for four years, like, for three months a year, you know? So I... I it, it I can make it sound as though like, ah, I got a job the second I arrived, but it, the reality is it's like, like the ten years of work that go into the overnight success thing it's like it's be yeah, good yeah. To, to like yeah, and I have no interest in like, get in a car like, with your girlfriend yeah. to go yeah. to l
1: a to see if it works out and have a job waiting for yeah. you when you get there and and, and and yet there's a lot that went into that and
2: a lot of times I think that people with their l a stories want to sell the myth on like bing, bada boom i I'd made it you know the Bob Evans kind of take, but the reality is like i I'd, I'd put in a lot of time down here and like yeah. a lot of people and the guy who uh recommended for the job, I'd co written a script with him that both of us to this day think is like really lovely and never sold for a bunch of contractual reasons. But so it wasn't like a total in the dark experience. You yeah. Know? Um,
3: it looked good on paper. It and looks we good on like, paper. We were grapes it? of wrathing it across America. Yeah, and we yeah. Got the call, and so by the time we arrived, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. like
1: five years ago. How long? Three, we, three, three and a half. Exactly. No, wow. three years three, ago. Three. three
3: years ago in one month. We and went in two. three yeah. years,
1: so that you started with an HBO show. I,
2: did, I was on the last season of The Life and Times of Tim, and I got shuttled over to the last season of uh, The Office. Yeah. And then, thankfully, not the last season of Portlandia. It's the. The fourth season. The fourth um, season of Portlandia. Yeah, and they've got at least at least one more coming after this. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: and uh, and then and then you're pitching your own stuff.
2: And, yeah, and then I uh, based you sold on sold two shows to NBC this year. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, these are some of the like kind of most loved. I mean, Portlandia, The Office.
2: Yeah, they're kind of choice creds, you know. And yeah, like I again, not to like shit on people who have worse. You're working on weirder shows. I worked on the worst shows. A, like in can i worked on like a kids cooking show in canada you know like i like jobs that were so depressing i just couldn't answer the phone when they called and i'd get fired you know because i was so bummed out uh about it and um
3: your manager before we left was telling you you have to start bucking up in your Canadian meetings because you walk in there and... Yeah, it's, you have I met
2: like on, like, a, yeah, the, what was the show? Little
3: Mosque on the Prairie. Little
2: Mosque on the Prairie, and they called my agent afterwards and was like, it's, they said you didn't want the job. And he's like, did you want the job? I'm like, no, I didn't want that job. <laughs> you know, like, uh, But he's like, look, grow up. What other job is there in the country this time? And I was like, oh, you got a point. Yeah. So, so I, I definitely have my share of experiences doing jobs I'm not happy with and I'm trying to now you know what is the there's no second acts in life or whatever who said that American life there's no second acts in America it's like no it's such bullshit American life is a second act because it's a nation of immigrants who have come here with all this fucking backstory and like you know
1: and are, are you, is the old country done? Like, do, do you have a toe left in it? I mean, it, it seems like it's just such a night and day experience of but like, I, it's been so overwhelmingly positive for you yeah, here yeah. so quickly. The yeah. only
3: time Graham ever talks about going back to to Canada is he's like, let's become political speech writers and go back to Canada. <laughs> no, but that's not true. Really?
2: I have a development deal at, uh, at Teletoon has been going on for four years with like two other writers who... You know, it's been going on for 4 years and I know things are a little complicated at Astro Media. So, right, you
1: could right. probably take your your credits to Canada and like write your own ticket and like create your own shows. Well, I mean, Th- like that spends really well in Canada. Like American
2: it, it does, it does, but like, you know, um if if that were really the case, then Canadian sh- television would be full of people who've hit a credit as a story editor, or staff writer down here and come back to like reap, you know, what what they've sown. But if you look at Canadian television, it's not a lot of that actually, you and know. it's
1: not so good.
2: Either. Yeah, I mean, like the the I think the best show in the last bunch of years was like uh, still Trailer Park Boys, and those guys are not American; they have no American credits, you know. Like that, yeah, it was, it was an excellent show, and it wasn't about that, you know. Like, so Canadian TV is still kind of based on like, can we is this right for our market? You know, they have their own concerns that are. You can't just come back and bully them into making a show unless you're Lauren Michaels and it's Kids in the Hall and it's 1980, whatever it was. Yeah. But like, not really since then has that happened. Ken Finkelman, maybe yes, probably Ken Finkelman uh, but he's oh, also like but, really. But where were
1: those
3: credits? I don't even understand. Ken Finkelman,
2: uh, worked uh, one day on The Simpsons, uh, and like I know a lot of guys who are. I've met a lot of guys who were there.
3: Didn't he write Airplane 2? Did he, he write an Airplane 2? Oh, I don't know. Wasn't he
2: involved with one of the Bad Madonna movies? I
1: think?
3: The fact that we're Maybe. even like, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Didn't No, he? no,
2: no, no. I think Finkelman is like amazing. I think you have to give him credit. He arrived at The Simpsons and everybody, this is the story I've heard from, because there were like 20 Simpsons writers at the time. And have people like, oh, you're Canadian. I'll tell you the time I was on The Simpsons and this Canadian came in. We're all panicking. Oh, this show's falling apart. The show's falling apart this Canadian guy is going to come in and save us. And he arrives and they do this thing where they did every morning where they read the newspaper and riff about the news for like two hours. And they're like, okay, let's uh, talk about story. Oh, it's lunchtime. Let's go for lunch. And then at lunch, someone made a joke of like, I don't think the new guy is going to come back. And then he just didn't actually come back. And they got a call from his agent being like, he's on a flight back to Toronto. He uh, he is not the right fit for him. He
3: did one morning at the Simpsons. He did one
2: morning at the Simpsons. and But and everyone's like, newspaper. good for him. You know, like a... The guy who I think got his job is Rich Apel, who currently runs Family Guy, and he's like, "God bless that guy." He he was my entry point into into television right. writing because <laughs> um, he created a spot that I took, and uh, yeah, um, it all worked out well though because
1: it, Finkelman made Foolish Heart.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I no, that
1: wouldn't have happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm still a huge fan of. I've got a copy of the, the scripts rooms. from the newsroom of yeah. on the shelf there, and no, I think there, there were like
1: five good episodes of that show. It's true.
2: No, no, I think there were until the Fellini thing. Uh, I even like the Fellini thing. So all I wanted to see on Canadian television was somebody enjoying themselves Mm -hmm. and and like, thank God. It wasn't just like somebody like just fearfully connecting the dots and trying to bring a big tent show to the CBC. It was like the real mission statement of the CBC, which is like to make like arts programming.
1: Yeah. uh, It felt like a public broadcast for that moment. I feel like he broke some sacred things about comedy. I don't care if you laugh anymore. It's not important to me that this is funny.
2: And yet Louis C.K. does it to this day and people like want to give him every award they've got. Yeah, uh, but, it, but it's
1: good when he does it.
2: I liked it. At the time... I watched Lucy Kay and I love that the no, I, the, the you know, I, Louis I can't show. I can not argue
1: with you. That show was like uh the first season anyhow of the newsroom was uncompromising one person's vision and of to go of, like a very like strange and beyond unique Beyond the of kind
2: of, kind of, of yeah. demand for like a joke per minute I I think that yeah. like you watch Louis, and you're like he's doing that again. And, and yes he was
1: he was ripping off Larry Sanders but he was ripping off Larry Sanders before everybody else ripped off Larry
2: Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I was the
1: first to rip off Larry
2: Sanders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there are a lot of shows around that era that were just like the problem is, if you're really different, you get compared to the other thing that was really different. But if you're just the same, you're like your own thing. You know, like yeah, I, yeah. I, that's the problem. Like people compared Arrested Development to the Royal bombs at the time, and people were like, "Oh, what a ripoff!" And it's like, no, let's just be grateful for two good things. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, like uh, yeah.
1: And, no, and then with a few years distance, it's like, does that really offend you? The the right, like, it's the almost old. immaterial similarity between. Yeah, the like, Yeah, talk to bombs. your parents about
2: Donovan and Bob Dylan, and they have problems. But like, listen to Donovan; he's great. <laughs> you know, like, uh, who cares? Right? I
1: you were gonna say Dylan, but yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, Dylan's Graham fine too. Loves Dylan's okay too. <laughs> no, but
2: Donovan is like, at the time, ridiculous. In hindsight, terrific. Have to revisit some Donovan, you should get back into it. Yeah. it's relatively fresh. He-
3: he did one good song called The Season of the Witch. No, he's got like <laughs> Hurdy a great gurdy man. <laughs> and hurdy-gurdy man. It's creepy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so guys, like what is your life like here? Who do you know? Are they all... Like I live in a world where I know like people who run restaurants and school teachers and people in politics and, and journalists and et cetera, et cetera.
3: Do we know famous people? No, exactly. Do you know normal like
1: people. Who doesn't, do you know anyone who doesn't work in the industry or, or aspires
3: oh. to?
2: So let's, oh, this is like the new, do you have any black friends? Do you have any friends not in, in show business? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you know a chef, uh, you're friends with a chef. Uh, You know uh, Let me dig I definitely have had Coffee with something I thought
3: you were Asking me that I was like I don't know any chefs I wish I did
2: You do know a chef
3: Oh Dave is a chef You see He's he's also like The husband of a person In the the business Oh okay So no He doesn't really count Because as much as He's my friend No you gotta count
2: it Somehow I'm just saying
3: uh, My my accountant Is an accountant (laughs) You yeah. live in a world where everyone is it here to people. to try to succeed in, in the alternative. Yeah. I met an oceanographer once, and I was like, "We George's wife from the Life and mm, Times of Tim." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "She's an oceanographer. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. should be friends with her because she knows about the sea. The sea is a troublesome place right and now." Yet you so never pursued uh, that friendship. Okay,
1: notwithstanding the spouses of people in the industry, it's probably safe to say that
3: you're it's it's, it's mainly people who are all because uh, it's, it's a, an all-consuming thing. Like that's that's the thing about being down here is that you know you're either working all the time or you are...
2: It's like when you move to a new town and you are go to a university in that town, the first four years you're there, you just know people in the university. Yeah. Right? Like, you're living in the dorm, you're going to the class, and you, you're basically in that world. LA's
3: the biggest dorm. It's just... But it's, it's,
2: that's not to say that the, you know, you're not going to get past that, but for the first four years, which we're still year three on, you're going to encounter mainly other people going to the same school you are, you know, experiencing the same things you're experiencing because you're just, that's where you pick people up most organically is through your vocation or whatever.
3: And that's how also you become like, you know, it's an awkward thing to do to move to a new city when you're in your early 30s when, you know, like Toronto, I had all of these friends because I was making wild friends in my 20s. When you're in your 30s, it's more difficult to like entreat somebody into being your friend. Look at
1: this little defensive corner that I've painted you into. I'm so sorry. No, it's totally natural and, you know. It's an interesting thing too because I think in Canada there's just so few chairs at the table yeah. and right. so little food at the table. Like It feels here like you can kind
3: of have all of your friends have very similar ambitions to yours, and, and no one feels like I mean, of course you're going to feel competitive because it's you know people feel competitive, but you don't in feel a more like, general sense. but yeah, not like, like if you you're get feeling my sandwich and I will have no sandwich. Yeah, like that doesn't it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like that. And there are very few times where. Uh, you know a female writer friend of mine has like sold a show or gotten staffed on a show and, and I've gone oh god why wasn't it me like usually I'm like that's amazing I'm so happy that they're yeah. succeeding like I, I feel no, like I no. my, my pettiness and like I'm a naturally very petty person I feel like I'm I'm not as petty as I used to be because there's just there's more food to go around here yeah. than there was in Canada. Yeah. Right. Is, is, is this
1: accurate in Canada between all of the different broadcasters there may be three slots for a new half-hour comedy in a particular season, Mm -hmm. the slot exists before the ideas and the pitches. Yes, and here there are 40. And everybody is fighting for one of those. Every comedy writer in Canada is in in absolute direct competition with one another for one
3: of those slots. Yes. Here, there are… 40 people to sell to.
1: Yeah, and and, and no one's really counting how many slots there are. There's just perpetual need for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's just about like everyone's generating the best ideas they can and pitching them
2: around. And- yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know you can get paid at stages that are before it airs, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a big plus is that like the R and D department here is pr- really quite sizable. But if you sell a show in Canada, they're kind of banking on making it because they, you know, they've already put some money into it, so that it's, yeah, they yeah. got to go all the way. Uh, Whereas, well, yeah. like
3: if you look at like the you know the numbers, so you know last year Fox bought. 90 shows, you know, they sent 17 to pilot and three of them got series orders and one of them was given a second series. But order, 90 or people
2: or made a year's salary.
1: Yeah. But
3: 90 people thing. made a really decent yeah. amount yeah. of money and
1: people buy homes based on stuff that never You can gets have broadcast. an amazing career
3: in this city having never actually made anything that got on the air.
2: Yeah. People have retired, you know,
1: like
3: yeah. and
2: if you retire, especially to like a small town,
1: You're fine Isn't that totally depressing though And like Is there some part of you That kind of wants to like Reverse back on it And go like Indie internet And like Fuck it Like we want to reach an audience And and, uh, I don't
2: know that, That moment could come But like I feel you're too it. embroiled in it. Like it's it's
1: it's real. You've sold stuff. You, you know, like 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 yeah, stuff yeah. happens. It can get made. Why would you make it in your backyard?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and you're also compensated so well for almost getting something made that it's like it's a yeah. reward in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah.
3: growing
1: ups working for a living too. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 So, and,
3: and and if you just if you just keep keep selling and keep at it, like you know, the law of averages states that you will eventually get something on the air and. I mean, that's what I'm banking on. I feel feel like the one good thing about being in Canada for as long as we were is that um, we, we don't believe in the idea of the overnight success or the idea that we are entitled to everything on our first shot. Like I'm so happy to just like continue to take shots on net and hope that my 17th shot on net is going to actually Go to series but like Or you, know, you just might... get
2: like you know staffed And it's like staffing is like uh, People talk a lot about like getting a show of theirs On the air but staffing is like An immensely pleasurable experience Because you
3: get an episode of your, you get your own episode of television On the air within and, the
2: and, You know forget even your own episode you're contributing To every episode that gets on the air yeah. and it's like So really... this is like
1: staffed in a writer's room so you're, you're yeah. Sort of part of like a brain trust that contributes jokes to Yeah every and you're like watching the
2: show and you're like no, that's that's my line. You know, it's nice. It's yeah, like, uh, that was I wrote this scene. You it's know, it's a real
1: break from the solitude of a lot of writer. Yeah, you know, the writers' like, life. Like you get to actually collaborate. Well, yeah, I
2: mean, I got into writing because I thought I could stay home all the time, and I generally have gotten jobs that have kept me for twelve hours a day. But I've been very pleased to be in those rooms because it's all full of like great people you know and so even if you don't get your own show on the air and you bounce over to like staffing on a show that's,
3: that's fine too that's also that's like a, that's a great kind of
2: like actually super great because it's a great fate it's all of the like creative party times without any of the responsibility you know there's some responsibility but you're just sort of throwing stuff in the air for uh some person who's got the weight of the world in their shoulders and they can deal with it it's great yeah.
1: How many of your friends here are Canadians in similar situations to you, like Canadians making their way here?
3: Um, yeah, well, like yeah, is, thirty like, thirty percent probably. You, yeah, I think I feel like you hang out with more uh, more Canadians than I do.
2: Well, the thing about it, like um, yeah. of the, like the Laugh Sabbath Comedy Collective that I was a part of in in Toronto, I think are close to half are now living here. Is uh, there
1: like a shared sensibility? Is there something on the artistic side of it that's like a uni- united?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of like, especially Laugh Sabbath, which is like a group of friends who were who had primarily an aesthetic about what they wouldn't do about comedy in common. Uh which is like, you know, which is a big thing with like if you look at uh The Kids in the Hall or Mr. Show, they weren't it wasn't that every sketch was amazing, it was it was about the sketches that they didn't do, about how they wouldn't cross a line or they always seemed to be on the side of the right, even if it was a boring sketch. Yeah. So um that was the last Sabbath community people And an absurdist kind of a... Yeah, and sort of like Gently moralistic. Kind yeah, because like you always a, talk
3: about comedy ethics and how, yeah, like, yeah. that's important to you.
2: Yeah, And... Yeah, which yeah, is, like, where, like, you know, it was so uh, relieving to be on Portlandia because you just knew they were never... Even if you pitched a, uh, an idea that was a little on the edge, we always knew that, like, the group filtration system was going to, like, take that stuff out, you know, like, uh, we were going to do a bit about... um Overeager parents uh declaring their kids as transgendered uh and, you know like just like yes, 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 you know, like <laughs> and then being outdone by another parent who declared their kid to be a sub or a dom or whatever, and like put their kids in leather uh, but and it was like a yeah. really fun bit yeah. and, and fun visuals of like a baby in the leather kind yeah, of gift mask of course, <laughs> but uh we we were like looking at articles and we're like, oh look at these great families who have like a twelve year old kid who just like made the the gender jump and uh, we're like are we making fun of these parents like fuck us so we just pulled the plug on it because everyone's just like really sweet and so like you didn't want to be mean yeah not well you want to be mean to the right people yeah yeah but not mean to like the fucking these super
3: are, progressive people who are like, like just providing a safe environment for their right. child cause to grow up
2: what in what that sketch essentially says
1: is that a parent getting involved in gender politics with their kid is a horribly affected hipster Yeah I And mean, that's yeah. not actually
2: What you believe Yeah Or we just were like Aware that it would be uh, Taken Misinterpreted By like uh, People who Were anti
1: Right Like this is a height Of decadence Look at this Yeah and You'd that, actually kind of Come the, all, all the way around And your satire of hipsters Would be like oh, Like the religious right And Portlandia yeah. would agree
2: And it was, a, it was a general Like challenge with Portlandia Is that everyone understood That like the, uh, People on the right wing Kind of appreciated the show Because The you know it was a, it's a show about like being critical of your own culture instead of like let's say like I love The Daily Show, but The Daily Show is about them, uh, yeah. how crazy they are. Yeah, and Portland is about how crazy we are. Yeah, and it's sort of more self-deprecating. How much Toronto Queen West stuff? Like, can you? 100. Kind of- percent <gasps> That was all I. I just
3: downloaded. Graham was like, it was. It was so funny to hear you come back from Portland because he was like, he was like those ten years that I was in Toronto. I was unsure of how I was going to metabolize that into something that was useful. And Graham basically got to like plunge his ten years of Toronto right. like alt comedy experience into your Portland. Islandia summer and you became a really clutch player because you had 10 years of pent up like the idea of the credit economy yeah, I, for example I don't know if I became a
2: clutch player I knew I enjoyed myself as a result of being able to like actually instead of trying to like look around at Portland and be like what's this like I was just like I basically just talked about Toronto yeah. like, and anecdotes about Toronto it'd be pretty hard
1: to get like parachuted into a new city and be like I'm gonna make fun of you people
2: yeah you, are, but, you know like and I, I was like you know as a Fan of Portlandia, watching the show, I was like, "Oh, uh, this is just Queen West stuff." All, up. but then arriving to Portland, I was like, "No, this is a level beyond." This yeah, they take it sure. further for sure. Like they have Kensington for yeah miles and miles and miles. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, all of my kind of friends in music and friends in the arts and friends in craft in Toronto I was just like here it's just say Portland and it's the same and it really was yeah. the same
1: it's funny it's like Trailer Park Boys was so much about the Maritimes and a certain kind of white trash yeah. there but like to any American who watches it it's their white trash yeah yeah, yeah. you
2: yeah. know it's, it's, <laughs> you, you, you transfer
1: You're yeah it's great. not yeah.
3: That codified like there's no yeah there, there's there's not a shorthand for for like a Newfoundland type of <laughs> hick yeah. or a Nova Scotia type of hick everyone like, makes it we're all wrong. hicks yeah. like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we all understood Fargo because Fargo was a hick not it wasn't a North it Dakota was type mid- just, of, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first thing he sent me after he got off the plane in Portland for his summer in Portlandia, he he left the apartment building that he was staying in, and the first thing he saw, there was three men... And one of one of whom was playing the funk didgeridoo, another person was playing uh, a little tiny drum kit, and another third guy was doing something in front of us, like a stack of old bicycles that was a sculpture and it was just on the street. So there was this like funk didgeridoo guy playing a hi hat in front of a bicycle sculpture and yeah. he's like he was like, Portland welcomes me. Yeah. And it just yeah. I mean, they
2: might as well have had like Naomi Klein's bones like in a saucer <laughs> yeah. for you to like just touch or whatever. It's like Ron Ford, it's like what could I do with this but just film it and put it yeah. on the show? Yeah, yeah. I and, and, and I do think that like it's been said a uh, lot often before but that Portlandia is ac- or Portland is actually a- about as weird or weirder than Portlandia. Yeah. Like their best of and their I forget what their now magazine is but uh it was like best hugger, best beekeeper, you know, like these are the like Willamette Weekly. Is it yeah, yeah, it might be the Willamette Weekly. Yeah. Good call. But yeah, so their kind of like cultural best ofs were like just you know, like that could have been a bit but except it was real yeah so it's a challenge to like uh, you know make it not to not just like hit record on something and play it back you know is
1: there a particular like Portlandia character who is a Toronto Queen West character
2: uh, the lesbian uh, the lesbian bookstore couple, I felt like w- w- they were, I-, I didn't come up with those, those existed before me, but certainly they're like, you yeah. encountered those guys, and you encountered almost all of them. Like it's the, all very familiar. Kath and Dave, the aggro kind of sports team, people who wear multi-pocket vests and talk about their authentic experiences in Spain. I don't think there's much... That one was funny. They're, yeah, like they're, they're still, they're in every season, and yeah. they're like... Uh, yeah, that couple. Uh, you, but you, like, I definitely have met all of those people in Toronto, and that's what makes it, I think, a good show. Is that yeah. like, um, it isn't actually exclusive to, to Portland, but you know. And on top of that, uh, as much as it is, is fun to talk about having written for the show, Fred and Carrie improvise pretty much everything. So it's sort right. of like uh, it's all on them in the end, and and they are uh, better at improv than anyone. So.
1: Like, it's intoxicating, to tell you the truth. Whenever I come here, it's always very exciting. It's like, here's what I'm doing, and here... Like, there's always something happening, and, like, things that you're pitching and, and, and deals going on, and then, like, stories about other people. And then when there is work, it feels like it's, like, all-encompassing, and you're, like, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it consumes your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, there isn't, like, a sense of normalcy and domesticity. Yeah,
2: I mean, we're, we're working towards it, and we find it, you know... Um, there's so much tumult and turnover and change going on a lot of the time here, but we kind of find our little moments, and it's coming, becoming more and more normal. Like we used to come home every day with like a crazy story of like, "Oh shit, this happened. I saw so and so at the Grove." You know, everything was crazy in the initially initial days we're here, and as time has gone on, we're kind of a bit more like chilled about it. You know, like you had a pitch to a network today, and we're both like, oh, hey, okay, how was that? It was pretty good. We'll see." You know, it, it, everything's getting more calm. Yeah. Um, Does
1: this slowly become like home or is it just the place where you need to be to do what you're doing?
2: I I was in Toronto for four days the whole time I was there and the whole, and as soon as I came back, I was like, I breathed a sigh of relief. Yeah. The one breathes when they come home.
3: Back in LA. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a really weird city to call your home because it is so disaggregated and it's so disparate and it's impossible, you know, like today like I biked to the pitch meeting that I was going to because I knew that if I was to drive back, it would take, you know, like the the 10 mile distance I w- had to cover would have taken me an hour and a half. Whereas on my bike it was 40 minutes or whatever. And it's like, it's a really unwieldy city city to deal with. But I feel, I feel like I feel like we've at least you and me have grown past the idea of home being a geographical space. It's like yeah. home, home is the place that, you have your apartment with your partner and home is the place that you know that you can get a job in and mm-hmm. um, home is the place where there say, is like
2: say, say home is where Graham is say that
3: home is where Graham
2: is there you go home is where I am
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and also you know that you're at home when you are there
2: yeah <laughs>
3: and I know I'm at home when you are there
2: I am the home
3: <laughs> you're the home. I live inside you. (laughs) We're actually broadcasting this from Graham's insides, from inside Graham's body.
1: Getting squinchy. Uh, So you're not coming home to Toronto?
3: No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was
2: never home for me. I lived
1: there. It was never home for me
3: either. Like, I mean, it was home because I knew you and I knew Sheila and I knew Jeremy and I have my best friends remain in Toronto. Um,
2: Well, you know, it comes down to like, you grew up in a bunch of hotels around the world. I grew up in uh, Alberta where the newest building was from the seventies. Yeah. There's not a lot of like, we both uh, came from places where going deep for us. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, And I think that it is a lot. I've seen people have a hard time moving down here and I I haven't seen that same difficulty from Catherine and I because we just have not really been roots people like yeah you're uh,
1: more American in that respect
2: yeah I mean Alberta is is like you know it's all brand new there's no sense of it's the opposite of Quebec in so many ways yeah like there's no like we are this we are of this place you know it's just like no no we're just here for now goodbye you know yeah uh, my parents don't even live in in Canada anymore
3: I said I miss I miss the people in Toronto. I don't miss the place. I'm not like sure, yeah. I miss the Drake. It's like I miss you. Oh. I mean, awesome. so, I don't think of you that much.
1: <laughs> All right, Hollywood phonies. Thank you.
3: <laughs> phonies. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye right. everybody.
1: You Kim, I need you to make up the sofa now. I'm tired. <laughs> All right, that's the show this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to email me, you can. I'm at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I'm on Twitter at jesse brown. Did you know that there are videos for Canada Land? You can watch them at canadalandshow.com. I produced this show with Tanara Yelland. There will be another podcast up on Monday. If you
0: like this show, you should recommend it.